the makeshift What's the Try studio, I have Sana Akand, who is the founder of the podcast Make Your Own Rules and the Jet Black Social Club, which is a members club in New York City. Hi, Sana. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, not at all. It's not like we've already been talking for like 30 minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh, time flies. I'm well, telling you, we're like, our connection is strong and I'm totally digging it. Oh my God, we're going to meet up in New York City and we're just going to have a day and it's going to be fabulous. Ugh, I just can't it's gonna wait. It's going to be amazing. You just have we're to do everything and nothing all at the same time. There. It's like, give me six weeks. I'll be there. We'll We'll do a part two to this as well. But I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about you and basically I left a prompt at like you know what's the chai like spell all the chai about your life tell us I love that I love what's the chai so much um (laughs) yeah so I am you know 32 I'm married and I am a South Asian I was born and raised in America but my parents are from Pakistan and I've always felt like that in between stuck between the two cultures, which culture do I fit into? Am I, Mm -hmm. you know, the super traditional Pakistani girl or am I the American who's trying to like be successful, have a platform, Mm -hmm. like be like, I don't know, a whole individual woman that American society kind of like can give you like, so the way I always saw it growing up was my parents want me to be a traditional Pakistani girl, but they didn't leave Pakistan to come to America for me to just be that there has to be more Mm -hmm. to my life and my life purpose. Yeah. Otherwise they should have just stayed in Pakistan and lived a very happy, comfortable life. Like (laughs) why do they struggle and come here with absolutely nothing? I know I'm going on a tangent, but they're like, um, you know, you have to be a wife and a mother, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you should have kept me in Pakistan. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm American now. Like I, I need, I have like ambition. I have goals and I have like a whole opportunity for me Mm -hmm. too. Like you guys came here for opportunity. I see it too. And I want that for myself too. Absolutely. And it's not to say that there aren't, you know, Pakistani women with ambition, but it's kind of like when your parents left Pakistan, they, they brought with them the mentality of that year when they left with them here. Right. So they're kind of implementing what something even Pakistan was like back in the day. Like this is your role, right? Because there is a revolutionization happening when it comes to the Pakistani women in Pakistan. It's not at masses. There's a really big thing in terms of the mentality still, but you know, we're making our way, right? Because again, I love how you phrase that. It's an American mentality. And what, what is an American mentality, right? A Westernized concept. To me, it's the land of opportunity. Like, absolutely. That's it. opportunity and prioritizing yourself first that's a westernized concept because i think we just considered selfish in exactly, our culture exactly right and what if we just perspective shift right rather than using words like selfish be like i prioritize myself it takes yeah. away this negative connotation because we're just put into these boxes and we're we're told to fit in and you know going into a little bit oh i have so many questions for you jesus christ oh, i'm like ah, i was like how do i start this because your podcast is make your own rules, but I do want to, I want to understand a few things, which is first of all, how did you like blow up all of a sudden? Right. Like, again, I saw you on TikTok and I was like, who is this fabulous lady who, oh you know, <laughs> has her own apartment and, but is married and her husband has her own apartment and she's, but she's not that different, but she's South Asian. And how did she come to this and how is she happy? Right. Like, yeah. I think I'm just so 
drawn to your story, but I, I think there's so many like layers to it as well. So first of all, like, I think I want to understand how did you blow up? Like, how did that happen exactly? Um, so I grew up, I grew up in a very conservative household. So, um, but I loved it. Like I loved coming home from school, putting on my desi clothes and going to yeah. Ubisoft class and like grand class was my favorite part of the day. Like I'm a very religious person. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. to me, like I love all religions. Like I'm not like just Muslim. I think like every single religion has so much to teach us and yeah. it's absolutely great. Um, so I grew up in a very strict household, but I always had this part of me that like wanted to, wanted to explore the world mm-hmm. more. It was this like earning this like feeling inside of me that was like, there's more out there. Keep exploring, keep exploring. Don't settle. Don't settle. Wow. So like growing up when I was a kid, I was like breaking rules all the time, hanging out with my friends when I shouldn't mm-hmm. like talking to boys when I shouldn't be. Cause I was Love just like this, you. like super curious girl. Um, I never did drugs or alcohol until I was 21. So I always considered myself a good girl because I was religious. I was, yeah. you know, not breaking things too bad. My bi- biggest thing that I was breaking, I was like, Friday night, my parents are like, don't go out. Mm-hmm. Friday nights are family time. And I'm like, sneaking out of the house to go hang out with my girlfriends up on Donuts. Like that was my like, big, like, Dunkin Donuts <laughs> sounds like a vibe. Story. You were like, I'm gonna go get this glazed donut. Like I, was like, I don't care, mom. I'm <laughs> out. And I would literally walk out of the house like after telling like, mom, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. I need a I'm donut. Like, I need a donut, mom. You don't get it. I need a donut. And she's like, who's going to drive you? And I'm like, I'm going to walk. And I'll walk like two <laughs> miles to like in the in suburbs of oh, wow. New Jersey um, just to live my life. I was like, mm-hmm. I need to. I came to this earth to live my life. I'm going to live yeah. it. Like no one's going to stop me. So that's kind of like how I always was growing up where I was like, where is the opportunity to feel more alive? Let's mm-hmm. take it. And then my parents always considered me the difficult child because of that. So like my, I have an older brother, an older sister and a little brother, and Mm -hmm. they consider me the most difficult because I didn't just shut up and listen to what they wanted. Yeah. Um, and they have always held that against me my whole Mm -hmm. life. They were like, you were difficult. You gave us a hard time. You, I also was like the kid that they didn't want. I'm like that middle child. So I was always like, it's funny. Okay. Backtrack. So (sighs) I, when I was born, I was trying to get their attention as much as possible. I think that's why I became like religious and like cared a lot Mm -hmm. about like doing the right thing. I was always a people pleaser, did whatever I could to make my family happy, my extended family happy. I was like the niece that picked everybody up from the airport, the cousin that did everything for everyone, like took my grandma to all her doctor appointments. Like family always came first for me. That was like Mm -hmm. something I prided myself with Um, until when I graduated high school and went to college. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I started to have bits of me that I was starting to prioritize more of myself and because I was like out of like my high school life and I was like for freedom for the first time of like, mm-hmm. I have a car, I could drive, I could do whatever. Yeah. I want. Um, although it didn't get bad, bad until I got married and nobody came to my wedding. Like my entire extended family was like, so my grandmother went into cardiac arrest on my Mendy night oh my God. of my NICA weekend. And I had to cancel my actual wedding and um, get had my NICA done in the living room. But the thing is that we did have a destination wedding planned three months yeah. later. And that's when I thought like my whole family was like, let's go on a destination wedding. It'll be so much fun. Mm-hmm. I was like, 
the fourth or fifth wedding in the family everyone was tired of the traditional wedding Mm -hmm. um so I did and nobody came except my mom's side of the family and nobody from my dad's side of the family came and that's the moment where I was like I cannot believe I sacrificed my entire life for you guys when none of you care about me mm-hmm. but it also sounds like and kind of bringing in how we when we talked earlier um last week you know it was kind of an accumulation of these little things. yeah this wasn't just one thing that happened totally where you were like what the hell this was like an accumulation of multiple things over the time since you were born right like this concept of I was the middle of child I felt really unwanted it's not that you kind of just felt it some of these things were like explicitly like said to you in a a passive aggressive (laughs) way where it's like haha we really didn't want you we wanted like another son right yeah and as a child children are like sponges they absorb everything and that's what I tell when I work with parents um or when I do couples therapy I'm like do not fight in front of your children have healthy discussions and conflict resolution do not say anything in front of your child because they will absorb it and they will normalize it and internalize it and it will will affect their life even when you're at your angriest with your kid you know you are the adult and you need to step away from a situation before you say something and even if you're jokingly saying it right like oh, you look like a hippo. Oh my gosh, your neck is so big. You look like a giraffe. Like yeah. anything you can say to your child, it's These become them. limiting beliefs Absolutely. as you get older. Absolutely. And that's what you have to heal when you're older in order to find that inner peace again. It's all of those limiting beliefs mm-hmm. that you've been told ever since you were a little kid over and over and maybe one time here, one time there. And to you, it's no big deal. But mm-hmm. when I started to really do a deep dive into myself. Like, why do I have such low confidence? Why do I feel like I'm not deserving of love? Why do I feel like I'm not deserving of success and money? It was all of those voices in my head. Like I was never wanted by my parents. So who's going to want me in the world? I was never told that I can be anything other than a wife and a mother. Who's going to pay me for anything in my life? So that these are all limiting beliefs that I had that I had to overcome. And that is such a hard thing, right? You're trying to work against like, and I, and I always say this, right? Like in, in the eyes of a child, their parents are their God initially, right? They teach them everything. My God. Yeah. Yeah. They teach them everything. They teach you right from wrong. They tell you where there is value. And if you're only putting value into X, Y, and Z, like you said, you will never be able to find value in other places. And now if those people aren't giving you the value, you're kind of like, what am I? Am I worthless? Is that what this is? Am I just worthless? Because these people who tell me where I should get my value from, they're not even validating me. So what does that even mean for my life? It is such a painful position to have to grow out of, right? You're working at like a net negative. But that's where my rebellious nature came in handy Mm -hmm. because I was so rebellious growing up where I was like, I don't believe that this is the only way to do this. There must be another way. If I, that's rebellious, rebellion to its core, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're like, you're just not going to accept one way to do it. You're going to be like, okay, let me see if there's something else out there that works better. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it works. Sometimes it doesn't. That was my rebellious nature being like, am I worthless? Like, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I can't accept that. There, yeah. let me explore and see if there is self-worth out there for me mm-hmm. before I make it something that defines me and then just settle in life and play victim for the rest of my life and be like, well, 
I'm a vic- I'm a victim because my parents never wanted me and loved me. And now this is my narrative. I refused yeah. to let that be my story. So tell me this in between portion, right? So it's kind of like you became a people pleaser. You were into Quran. You yeah. were like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be that religious girl, right? And yeah. then there seems like a break came where you were like, okay, never mind, fuck yeah. this shit. I'm a rebel. Yeah. Like it's nobody's business. Was there like a turning point even there, or was it just kind of like this isn't yeah. serving me? I guess being the absolute compliant child isn't working let me try something else is that kind of the thought process yeah I think it was like a slow dial I -hmm. think it was like um slowly seeing how much can I get away with Mm -hmm. and then seeing that I was able to get away with a lot Mm -hmm. because my parents were never paying attention to what I was doing yeah anymore once I got to college they were just like you know I would stay out until like 4 a.m. at Halal Cart and 53rd and 6th with my friends. And everyone else is getting phone calls all night long from their parents except me. And I'm wow, like, Wow, really? Yeah. And I was like, Wow, my parents like literally do not care about me. Everybody's like, Oh my God, you're so lucky. You can do whatever you want. And I'm like, I am desperate for love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm desperate to feel like I fucking matter and I care and like people care about me. Yeah. I'm like, you guys have no idea how lucky you are to have parents that are calling you and care about you. Yeah. 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 That's really. So tough. for me, it was like that point where it's like, well, if they don't care anyway, why not just go all in and do whatever I want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, not to say like I had no limits, of course, like I'm not sitting here like, you know, going crazy again, like I never did drugs or alcohol really until I met my husband Mm -hmm. and we started dating and he was in New York and I was like well what are you going to do in New York you go to restaurants and bars (laughs) and you start drinking alcohol and you um have a fun time and Mm -hmm. you know at 24 I was like dating a guy in Manhattan and I thought I was so cool (laughs) and like um I also cool. didn't really do drugs until we got married and I felt mm-hmm. safe because I was with him. I was with somebody that loves me and mm-hmm. it's safe to explore things like marijuana and shrooms and Molly mm-hmm. and things like that. And yeah. it was, and it was great. Like for me, it was like finding myself, like exploring these things with the person I love mm-hmm. to see who I am and what I like and what I don't. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah. yeah. But it sounds like there were a lot of like mental compartmentalizations that were broken right because it's not just like you know it's it sounds like transitions of life where it's like you know I felt safe and I explored into this I did this and I did that so it's like I see like a metamorphosis of things happening but you know I feel like for the audience that is more Muslim and maybe more traditionally Muslim this might be a harder concept for them to maybe grasp or understand of how can you be someone who you know read the Quran and was super religious and is super spiritual. And how are you doing uh, drinking alcohol and doing drugs right now? Right. Yeah. And the way I saw it was that every single Muslim that I knew around me was already drinking the alcohol. They were like, or a lot of them were like, Oh, we're going to drink and have sex, but we're not going to eat pork. Like there's so much in Islam that had holes in it that I really started to feel like, I love Islam, but there's a lot here that I don't like Mm -hmm. and relate to and resonate with. And it was all the restrictions and limitations. And then now that I'm older, I realized that it wasn't Islam that I had an issue with. It's obviously the culture that I had an issue Mm -hmm. with. Um, 
and culture is what imposes things like don't get your nails done don't get your eyebrows done Mm -hmm. you can only you have to wear a job you have to um you know dress a certain way like of course you should dress modestly but that's not because to control women it's to protect our beauty because we're such beautiful people Um, always and I think that's something interesting right where it's like a religious journey, whatever journey you're on, right? Like mental health, your fitness journey, it will always be your own and it has to be your own. And you will never have growth until you have critical thinking. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that's what it is. And I think that that's what people do when it comes to religion in general, all Mm -hmm. religions is they don't feel like they can think anything for themselves. They're like, always searching for the answers externally yeah and all of our answers are within us individually we are all on our own unique paths to Mm -hmm. peace and happiness which is jannah which is heaven Mm -hmm. you can have heaven on earth by finding that peace within yourself like Mm -hmm. that's the whole point of our life yeah and that's like a whole thing i can get into but i know right i'm like like how many tangents are we gonna take but (laughs) let's go back to like your wedding right so yeah. So your parents were always kind of like, you know, didn't give you the kind of attention, mainly the attention that came was like, Hey, don't go out past this night, like this time. But then when you would go out, they would be like, Oh, well, she didn't listen to us. So we're not going to check in on her being kind of vocal about that. They wish that you were a boy when you were brought up. And then here yeah. we are a couple of years later where, you know, you're about to get married. And is this the time, I don't know if you want to bring that in regarding like the business thing do you, or I could, do you want to talk Which about one? that? Uh, no, their restaurant that <laughs> you're like we're gonna talk about everything yeah and there was bring a, it on let's do it but there was an incident when you when you and I talked oh right yes okay you yeah. know that was also the moment oh my god there's so many mo- you're right right there's no one big thing it was so yeah. many little things where I was just like even now these their lessons repeat themselves over mm-hmm. and over and over again until For you sure. finally learn and you mm-hmm. break the habits mm-hmm. and you move on um I went through a lot of lessons from the universe telling me that my parents don't have my best interest at heart and they I couldn't believe it obviously come on who's gonna sit there and be like oh my parents don't want the best for me they're my yeah. parents right like yeah. even when I'm being told that like I didn't even get to sleep in my parents' room when I was born. A newborn baby was rejected at birth. Mm-hmm. I still was like, eh, they're my parents. Yeah. I'm sure they love me. Yeah. Um, but they promised me. So I was 13 years old, worked for the re- at the restaurant every single weekend, gave mm-hmm. up all my weekends with my friends just to work at Shanawa's. And um, and this was your family's restaurant. Like they own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. In New Jersey. And, um, they always promised it to me. They were like, you know, you're so good at this. Like my siblings worked there too, but they only did it temporarily in between jobs. They never Mm -hmm. thought of it as like a career for them. I did. I saw this as like the one thing that I wanted more than anything else in the world. Um, and they, I literally worked my way up from like waiter cashier to like literally running and managing the entire restaurant, managing all the caterings at weddings, um, bringing in more clients, like doing all everything. Like my parents started like vacationing more. They were living their life because they were like, finally, there's someone we can trust to run the business. Mm -hmm. Like literally Eid, every single Eid that my parents were with the family and they were like, oh, Sana, can you go work at the restaurant? Because 
we're going to go enjoy our Eid. I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Like Eid was a really big thing at Shanawa's. Like it was like our biggest day. So my, we always worked in shifts. Like my mom would take the morning, my dad would take the afternoon and I would take the evenings so that my parents can go have dinner with my daddy. Yeah. Um, and like, it was us three. It was the first time in my life where I was like, man, I'm I'm best friends with my parents. They yeah. love me. Like we're doing this together. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the only kid here that like they can pass their legacy on to. Like, yeah. Because your siblings didn't want to have to do anything with the restaurant too. Right. Yeah. No, like none of them wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was in college and I, I was about to graduate college. So I was like mm-hmm. 21, 22. And I was like, okay, like what's, what are we doing here? Am I going to come in full time? Like, what's the plan? What's the program? Yeah. And they were like, oh, go get your MBA. And then the business is yours. Grant, like, mind you, they didn't pay for my MBA. They didn't help me financially at all. Not that they owe that to me, but mm-hmm. they did pay for my brother's law school and my sister's law school. And they just like helped financially with my siblings grad school, but not mine. Did you ever ask mine- why? Yeah. I mean, I guess not. Interesting. We had a big money fight recently where I was like, you guys never treated me the same way financially, the way you did other siblings. And they were like, yeah. that's not true. And I'm like, it's so true. Like mm-hmm. I promise you, like, just listen to me telling yeah. you the truth. And like, it's okay. I'm not mad. I just like want you to know. Yeah. Um, I ended up in like a shit ton of credit card debt and everything. And it ruined all my credit because mm-hmm. I was never taught how to even use a credit card. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was a weird time because that was the time when my uncle came back from Pakistan and he has two daughters and, um, they just gave him the business. Like the, he started managing it and everything while I was finishing up my MBA. Mm-hmm. Granted, I did have my wedding planning business at that time. I was doing SK events and South Asian weddings but like my parents knew that like my end goal was Shanawa. So like it was just like a really weird time because like, for the first time I felt like that real betrayal from my family. Mm-hmm. And like I sat down with them. I'm like, what the what the heck? Like, why did you do this? And they were like, oh, you know, he has two daughters and like you, are, we don't know what you want, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what I want. I tell you every day what I want. Like mm-hmm. it, it felt a lot like them making excuses mm-hmm. for choosing to do something. And then I had to go like figure out my own life and like yeah. start like thinking about what I want for myself from scratch. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was like the biggest blessing they could have ever given me because now look at me. <laughs> we need to hear more about that, that success story too. So, but that, so the whole Shanavas thing happened after you were married or before you were married? Before I was married. Before. So then the Shanavas incident happened and now we're at your wedding. Your grandma has a stroke. You yeah. have to postpone a lot of your events. And, and that was a moment where it really took a toll on you where you're like, these people don't prioritize me the way I've been prioritizing them. Yeah, exactly. And it was like that wake up call that, um, like I'm telling you like what, like my condon, when it comes to a wedding, like they mm-hmm. are, it's like they roll deep, like mm-hmm. it's, everybody comes out of the woodworks and it's yeah. like a big family reunion. Like my dad has like 
eight brothers and sisters. They all have oh, so wow. many kids. My mom's side is big too. Like my sister's wedding was like 600 people. Like mm-hmm. it was insane. Um, and I always grew up wanting a really big wedding. Like mm-hmm. I thought I was going to have the traditional Desi wedding. And um, when I started wedding planning, all of my aunts and uncles from my dad's side of the family were like, let's do a destination wedding. It'll be so much fun to like rent a house and all live there and like mm-hmm. vacation together and blah, blah, blah. So I did have a destination wedding and then everybody like pulled down. They're like, sorry, we can't go money issues, blah, 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 blah. All these excuses. Wow. And I was like, I wouldn't have done a destination if you guys didn't ask for it. Like, yeah. And it wasn't even COVID times during that time. right? No, it wasn't. Yeah. And my other cousin like has gone, got married in London and everybody went and like mine was just in Mexico, which like was easy for everybody to get to. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's hurtful for sure. And then like a year or two after my wedding, three of my cousins have gotten married and everybody was at their weddings. And I'm just like, like my cousin got married in Seattle. Like nobody lives in Seattle. Everybody Mm -hmm. went. Like it was just like a lot of like, man, like it feels really personal. It feels really, really personal that what am I doing wrong? Who am I as a person where these people aren't showing up for me? Like, what does this mean? Yeah why is this kind like, of why am I getting so rejected by my entire family yeah. over and over and over again since the moment I'm born like that's a hell? really good question that's a really good question yeah I'll do some shrooms and ask God about it <laughs> there you go there you go that's perfect um or do some shrooms go to your parents out and be like what's up let's let's talk about this right yeah so exactly. was, was this the point where you started making your own rules haha <laughs> Plugging your own, uh, your podcast friend, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I think it actually, actually, no. So to be honest, mm-hmm. I was very, very traumatized for a long time after my wedding. Every single okay. time someone talked about my wedding, I'm crying. I'm like, oh. Oh, nobody came oh. to my wedding. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at that, but I just laughed how you went about it. <laughs> like to the point, like the minute I would um, have a little bit too much to drink. Mm-hmm. and it the topic comes up I'm like a crying sobbing mess like mm-hmm. I desperately needed to heal that and I feel like when I don't even know when it started but um so I quit my corporate job in 2018 to travel mm-hmm. the world because I was like just very confused Mm -hmm. that this working life was supposed to be what I do for the rest of my life I was like what like there has to be more to this life like this is weird um and that's the first time I just like didn't see my family for a whole year I just had like space away from everyone all the family parties all of the events and the functions and as I was doing that a lot of my aunts and uncles and cousins were like oh my god what you're doing is so cool like sliding into you know my dms and being like oh tell me about your travels tell mm-hmm. me where I should go when I go here share tips and suggestions and I was like yeah stop wasting my time you guys suck I hate you like <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there's some strong feelings there you're kind of like I'm not I'm not about I this was right like, now 
just because I'm doing something cool and you could get something from my mm-hmm. travel experience. Now you're like trying to suck up to me. Like, no. Now you're curious about me because I'm doing something that you all haven't done, right? Yeah. And I started getting all this like respect and recognition, which mm. just didn't feel good. It felt like yeah. it was like wrongfully placed. It felt mm-hmm. like I was getting it um, with an agenda attached mm-hmm. to it. Like as if I owe them something because of the way I'm living my life. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it was like that healing moment where it's like, I don't need to be a people pleaser and jump at your beck and call anymore. And I can just live my life for the first time ever. So I think oh, that yeah. was like the start of my healing process. Yeah. Where you kind of recognize that these people only serve me when they can be served. Right. And I, exactly. I'm a very, I think, and this might be a hot take a little bit of it. And I I'll get your input on that, which is relationships are reciprocal. That's just the nature of relationships through mm-hmm. and through. Right. Or I'm hanging out with you because you make me feel good and you make me happy. So that's a, that's reciprocity as well, right? Whether okay. you're with your best friend because, you know, you connect at some level, whether you're in a romantic relationship because the sex is good and there's good intimacy, everyone in every relationship does get something out of it. But the fact of the matter remains that there's reciprocity, right? The times we feel the most taken advantage of is when we give and we don't receive. And a lot of people are like, oh, you should give without expectations. That's not the humanity of it, right? Even when people are like, think about like this, right? When people do good in the name of religion, you're doing it for Allah points. You're you're getting something out of it. You're like, I'll do it for the sabab, right? Or I'm doing this this charity and charity makes me feel good. You're doing it because you feel good. That's a reciprocity within that action as well. And here, and I feel I, like yeah. a lot of people think that it's selfish to want that in return. And it's not, it's human. It is nature. human. It is human. And that's why we feel a certain type of way when people take advantage of, uh, of us. We feel a certain type of way when people don't show up for the way that, that we hope because they've shown up for us, right? And I, I will always say this and I will always stick by this. I say this when I work with my clients in therapy, I say this to anyone who asks kindness, does not breed kindness. Unfortunately, kindness yeah. with vocalized expectation of kindness will give you back kindness, but there are very mm-hmm. few people who have the kind of social and emotional intelligence who understand like this person's kind to me. I will be kind to them back. This person is showing up like 40% for me. I will meet them back 40% of the way right? They're yeah. very handful of populations that can, are people who can, who can do that, you know? And it sounds There's like one yeah, really yeah. big thing that I think I learned though, through this mm-hmm. whole thing. And the reason I don't like to say that I am who I am because of my past is because the biggest thing that I learned that I think that your audience can really walk away with mm-hmm. is the only reason I felt that I wasn't getting as much as I was putting into it back. Yeah isn't because of them, isn't because of they were bad people or anything like that. They Mm -hmm. were human. They were just living their life and being who they are. Mm -hmm. The reason I was feeling that way is because I wasn't filling my cup up first before pouring into others. And I was abandoning myself and I was neglecting myself for so long, for so many years. Mm -hmm. And that's why the minute I felt betrayed or like people want more at from me than I'm mm-hmm. getting at from them it was 
that aha moment that it's like it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. It's mine. It's because I'm abandoning myself. I think when an expectation isn't vocalized and resentment festers, that's where the relationship needed reciprocity. I I, I hope that made, yeah. made a little bit more I 100% fun. agree. So that's my thing. Not kind of like you've done something nice for someone and then you ex- you have the silent expectation in your mind that they will do it back for you. But again, right? Like if you're doing it because you have the capacity to give more, hell yeah. And because that's- And, and you have more. to vocalize that. Communication yes, is key. Exactly, exactly. You cannot sit there and be like, oh, this person has to read my mind and give me everything I want. Like, absolutely. no, absolutely a hundred percent. So you're setting them up for like failure. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So now we're here where, you know, these people are reaching out and su- finally giving you respect and seeing value in what you're doing. Cause you're doing something that other people in the family haven't done. Right. So he- where do we go from here? What was going on with you during this time? Um, still a lot of healing. Cause I was like, I think them, seeing me that way did give me the self-esteem boost that I needed of like, okay, I am doing something unique and different. So I knew now that when I come back to America, Mm -hmm. I cannot go back to corporate America and go back to my regular life. And it's so funny because it actually mirrors my experience right now with my current living situation with my husband, Mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, let me just do this for a year and then we'll go back to living together, which we might, but we Mm -hmm. might not because now that I have inspired so many people to create a life on their own terms and rules, Mm -hmm. it's like, let's double down on this and see how much we can live our lives Mm -hmm. to the fullest while still supporting and loving each other and being there for each other. So you came back, you were sick of corporate America, you were inspired by the travels and how yeah. people were so receptive to, of your travels and you started a business. So you haven't like moved out. You and your husband haven't like decided to move out as of yet, right? You started a new no, company. No. What company was this? So this was uh, Jet Black events, but then during the pandemic, it turned into Jet Black Social Club, which is a community for New Yorkers to make new friends while exploring the city. Love that. And what was the thought baby that provoked even this, right? Loneliness. I came back to New York city and, um, COVID hit. And I was just like, wow, like three of my best friends that lived in New York moved out of the city. They were all like, all right, time to go like have babies. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I thought we were in this together guys. What the hell? Um, and also in general, like a lot of people were lose, like working from home. So a lot of the after work happy hours were not happening. And yeah. that like built in social scene that comes with having a job in New York City was completely gone. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like this is going to be so damaging for the mental health of every single person that lives in Absolutely. New York City. Like New Yorkers are not meant to live in these tiny little apartments and like, mm-hmm. you know, eat. Yeah breathe sleep work everything from Mm -hmm. a 300 square foot space like that's not healthy absolutely Um, so yeah I I was just like trying to get people to do things outside of their regular routine so that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't end up in a rut and end up like in depression so that's why I created a club that could be fun and remind people it's okay to like 
play and Mm -hmm. do things and meet people and socialize and like put all the politics away, put all of the serious talk away and just like Mm -hmm. grab a drink or let's make some ramen. Let's make some dumplings. (sighs) Like, let's just like have fun. So where did this name come, right? Like Jet Black um, Society, like the social club. So Jet Black originated because I was like, okay, what is something that every single New Yorker can relate to? And to me, it's being the black sheep of their family. (gasps) And it was like, I was just like, I am the black sheep of my family, obviously, Mm -hmm. clearly. Um, I think every single New Yorker comes from somewhere, someplace, or even if they have born born here, raised here, they're just really different from every single other person in the world. And they're just Mm -hmm. like, the rebel, the black sheep, they're just Mm -hmm. different. And um, I couldn't call it black sheep social club because I didn't want people, a lot of people also don't like know themselves that much. Yeah. So um, it's more of like an internal thing, but uh also jet black is my favorite gemstone ever so Ooh. i was like all right let's do this but i'm actually doing a name change you are so I oh, no. hopefully by the time this releases uh, I'll, I'll put the edit in uh do we have some options on the table so we i already got the domain and everything and hopefully it'll be launched by like i'm like working on it tonight and tomorrow but um it's just i'm transitioning it to friendship club oh. i think it just like is more aligned with like where the club has gone like Mm -hmm. with its organic like type of members type of events type of like Mm -hmm. vibe that we're building and it's just like really casual and fun and social and people are just like really kind genuinely good people so to me like when I envision my jet black social club marketing it's very elite very like high end and this club is just not that at all it's very Mm -hmm. chill casual fun and friendship club to me is like just easier to scale easier to Mm -hmm. grow and just like really explains everything right from the get-go and we'll do like super groovy like marketing (laughs) super fun colors (laughs) yeah super fun I can see that I can see friendship uh club having some like really a a really aesthetic color palette and not just being jet black and that's sultry elitist vibe it sounds fabulous what was it doing for you at that point that again let you take such bold steps of defying these cultural and social norms right because it is it is not just a south asian norm you're defying it is like how many people do you know who, if it wasn't for work, who don't live together, right? Yeah. Like, within the Western society as well. It is such a unique and cool, you know, thing to do. I'm just so curious about it. Oh, I can hear the story over and over again. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> um, You know, it's so funny because like, it's, I wish I could just like answer this question in five mm-hmm. years from now. And mm. not right now. Whereas right now, it's like I'm I'm in the thick of it. I'm yeah. still going through all of the transformation that comes from entrepreneurship. Like mm-hmm. going through, like when I first started the business, sorry, I keep hitting my microphone. When no. I first started the business, um, I was so in it. Like my, all I could do is talk about it. All I could do is like, think about it. I couldn't even have a conversation with anyone else about anything else because I was mm-hmm. just like, this like really- self-absorbed person building my business Mm -hmm. and um it really impacted my relationship Mm -hmm. a lot because Adnan is very 
He's in corporate America, loves the financial stability that comes from a corporate job. Oh my God. Like, Anon's a finance bro? Stop. He's a finance bro. <laughs> I'm a chick living in my Upper East Side studio dating a finance bro. Oh my I'm gosh. making I my 13 year old dreams come true. I love that for you. That is fabulous. And for those people who don't haven't guessed by now, Adnan is your husband. Yeah. So I was living with him at the time in a one bedroom apartment and I'm like in work meetings all day. Mm-hmm. And he's also trying to prepare in his career and mm-hmm. we were on top of each other and I'm just like sexual also or I wish <laughs> <laughs> I feel you um but yeah kind of also we're like we're like every single little break that I have I'm like cuddling with him and oh. we're like we're just like and talking all day like we talk oh my gosh when we're together we do not stop talking we mm-hmm. are completely obsessed with hearing each other's thoughts and ideas on every single thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and it's nonstop talking like mm-hmm. when we're together. So it, it gets in the way of yeah. growing our careers and growing our businesses and being able to like go internally in my own thoughts and like hear who I am. What do mm-hmm. I want? And mm-hmm. I'm just like, and like, that's one thing that like living in my own place has really helped with is mm-hmm. learning who I am without mm-hmm. all that noise of like, his opinions and his thoughts and this and that, which I respect so, so much. Yeah. But I am learning to respect my thoughts and ideas first and yeah. then have his thoughts and ideas into my life. And then I get to pick and choose what I agree with and what I don't. But before, when mm-hmm. we were living together, I was just so like, I admired the shit out of him. I think mm-hmm. like the sexiest thing about him is his brain. So like oh. every single thing that he would do and say, I'm like, okay, done, done, done. And I was doubting myself Mm -hmm. to listen to what he was saying and thinking and like yeah he has very good ideas but he also has a very different mindset than I do Mm -hmm. so like he I can't build a business successfully with his ideas because then it's not my business it's it's not not genuine to you it's just genuine to him exactly Mm -hmm. and then I'm like a phony essentially Mm. and then I think that's why the business stopped growing at a certain point. And I got like really stagnant with the growth. And I was like, man, what the hell? And that happened in like, so like October, 2021 mm-hmm. is the same month that I moved out is the same month that my business lost a bunch of members. And I was at the lowest point of my entire life. Oh, wow. Um, because I was like, when Adnan and I first moved out, it wasn't something that was like, happy-go-lucky that it is now it was like holy shit I cannot believe I can't live with the person I love and even though I could technically yeah and it was my choice but it was something in my gut my intuition was like you have to do this for your growth yeah so to me it was a very sad thing Mm -hmm. like my first night sleeping without him I'm telling you like we probably went a handful of nights in the past seven years of our entire marriage Mm-hmm. not sleeping together yeah like it was just insane to go from like being that. so overly codependent to mm-hmm. forcing myself to heal this codependency issue that I have so was that that kind of drove it like where so your business was losing a lot of members is that when you were like I need to make a change and I think this might be the change where I just need a little bit of space to air out yeah. my thoughts is that kind of how it went about 
Yeah. That's how it started where I was like, I think I'm going to get an office space mm-hmm. and I'm just going to like, I think we need to like get out of each other's hair and really grow our mm-hmm. careers. Cause we, he was getting flat in his career, which is so unlike him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason we came back from traveling is to grow our careers. Yeah. So we were like, well, we gave up this beautiful life of nomading around the world to yeah. come back to New York. We're not going to settle for what we're at now. Like we're two extremely ambitious people and yeah. it's why we're in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was that moment where we're like, we got to do something really big and different because mm-hmm. it's just not working the way it is, the way things are right now. Yeah. And um, when I first thought about like getting the office space, I was like, oh, I'll just work out of there all day. And then it was funny because he was like, and it wasn't like an immediate conversation. It was like kind of like weeks throughout where we were talking mm-hmm. and thinking about it. And we we're like, oh, like how fun would it be if we like got to date and like met up after work for yeah. dinner and like whatever neighborhood and then that quickly went to towards like me just like talking about how ever since I was a little girl my entire dream was to like have my own apartment in New York City and date a guy that I love and who loves me and Mm -hmm. like have that sex in the city life where it's like you know the tv show not like yeah 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 Yeah, yeah, absolutely um, but yeah. And then that quickly went to like, you know, I wrote it down in a journal and I think mm-hmm. I manifested it and now I'm living it. And like, mm-hmm. it just like, was this like thing that started from a small idea of me getting an office into like, Oh, like what if we just made our childhood dreams come true of being mm-hmm. these like two badass, super successful people who mm-hmm. are growing our careers and meeting up for dinner and having great sex and living our lives and mm-hmm. everything just like works out. Like yeah. what if everything just worked out? And it sounds like, you know, from what it is, it, 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 it is a success, right? And how, and it speaks to the security in your relationship where it wasn't like, oh my God, what's wrong with our relationship? Why don't you want to yeah. live with me? Or why should we not live together? It was kind of like, oh babe this is this sounds kind of interesting like let's talk about it let's let's explore it um sure let's give it a uh, like let's give it a chance why not right there's this openness to the idea rather than you know being like there's something wrong with us why can't we fix it you know that's so true because mm -hmm. like the when I told people about it the first thing everybody was saying was that was like oh like what if he cheats on you like Mm -hmm. what if um you guys fall out of love Mm-hmm. And I like shared that with Adnan and we found it so f- fascinating that that's where people's thought process was at when mm-hmm. it wasn't even like a single sliver of thought that crossed our mind mm-hmm. that we would lose each other. There was no fear. It was only mm-hmm. love. Like we just love each other so much where we're like, yeah, obviously we're freaking soulmates. Yeah. Like, and I told him, I was like, Hey, if you want to try exploring other people, like, let me know. And he was like, no, I definitely mm-hmm. don't like, do you? And I'm like, no. Like, yeah. But there's an openness to even this conversation. Again, it goes yeah. back to the security you have with each other, where it's like, you can even ask these questions and it's going to be taken as a serious ask. And it's like, no, I don't need to open up our relationship. I think yeah. for our careers, this space is just healthier for us to be able to grow. And it's just adding yeah. a different kind of spark in our life. So now you're now you've moved out. You've had this healthy conversation with your husband. You have your own place. This is the first time, you know, that you've spent this night alone without your husband. And it sounds like the initial steps were a little bit tough, right? Getting adjusted to it. 
as well. The hardest time of my life. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And then I talked to my mom a lot in the beginning Mm -hmm. to have her support. And at first my mom was like, I love this idea. I think it's Mm -hmm. great. Um, It's good to like, you know, have space and be an individual, blah, blah, blah. And then something switched in her. So it was like Christmas time. And I was like, oh, like Adnan and I are spending Christmas together, blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. she wasn't listening to me. To her, it was like, she was like, oh, like, does he even want you anymore? Does he like, she's like, are you sure? Like, he's probably having so much fun on his own mm-hmm. and I'm like why are you saying these things to me like what and I was like no mom like we're still very much married mm-hmm. like we're literally husband and wife and then um my cousin's wedding was in December and my sister and my mom told everybody that my husband and I are separated wow and that was my moment where I called my mom and I was like why are you spreading lies about me and I think it I, now, two, three months later, mm-hmm. I'm like, it was her own limiting beliefs that I think for her, her biggest fear in her relationship was if I live my life the way I want to, I'm going to lose my husband. Right. Yeah. So like when I did what I did, she was very happy for me because mm-hmm. she was like, oh, you know, like, I wish I did that. But she just couldn't get to the other side. She like was mm-hmm. stuck with her limiting belief that if a woman, if a woman lives her life the way she wants to, she cannot have it all. She can't also have a husband that loves her and supports mm-hmm. her. She can't also have a life that is thriving and successful. Mm-hmm. Like there has to be some sacrifice happening in order yeah. to live your life fully and completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, though, I was like, woman, what the. <laughs> why are you doing this to me? And I had to honestly like take space away and not share. It's kind of like when you share your relationship drama with your best friend, Mm -hmm. but then you get back together with your boyfriend, Mm -hmm. your friends are always going to see it in that negative light, I think. And like, kind of like judge you or whatever. Mm -hmm. It felt like that. I felt like it was like my mom not being able to understand that just because I wanted a little space and we both like decided to live um, in our own places, we could still have all that love for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I think it's it's so true what you're saying, right? It was a projection of her own fears onto you when you're a completely yeah. different person. You've developed as, you know, you've developed your own thought processes and thing and your relationship is not indicative of some of the social confines of what others might think it like you're not limited again like going back to what you said you didn't have limited beliefs but your parents did have limited beliefs so if they took a step it would be a threat to the institution of their marriage but for you it was a liberation you realized you could do what you wanted and and in a way where it helped your relationship even more because I remember you telling me you were like actually when we started living apart when we connected with each other it was intentional. It wasn't that we were just around each other and spending time. It's like, we connect on this intention to be together. And this is our time together. And you said you, yeah. you guys were having like great sex too, which is awesome. Yeah. And also most importantly, just like quality time together where mm-hmm. we're like before it was like, oh, let's just watch TV until we go to sleep and sit on our phones. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I could do that when I'm 
in my own place. Like now we're together. We both are like, let's talk, like, let's hang out. Let's cook. Let's dance. Let's like mm-hmm. do an activity. Let's like do things that like we can't do. And then times we're like, yeah, we're watching TV, but then we're like, you know, just talking the whole time, like cuddling the whole time. Like mm-hmm. we're not before, honestly, like we would be on opposite sides of the couch, just like watching TV, scrolling on our phones because yeah. like, we're just taking each other's time for granted. Like mm-hmm. we're just like, oh, we're together 24 seven anyway. Mm-hmm. And not really cherishing the moments we have together. And now it's just like, it's mm-hmm. insane because now it's like, I'm so excited to see him mm-hmm. all the time. And like, vice versa where we're just like our hugs are just so (laughs) like every single time I see him and then when we leave it's like oh my god this hurts it sucks but we're like this is so good for us and Mm -hmm. like we have to do it and it's oh you just cherish the person you love so much more absolutely and I hear it right did it ever change the way people viewed your relationship as not something being wrong with the relationship itself and or a separation? Was there ever a shift? You know, I haven't seen it yet with my family mm-hmm. because I haven't talked to them in a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the article came out mm-hmm. on Insider about our situation, that was when I finally felt like I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it's okay. Like it gave me that like confirmation that mm-hmm. it's worth taking risks in order to have a much happier life. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm wondering what if like more people took these risks and tried things that were different and unique, mm-hmm. not being fearful of losing your partner, but like yeah kind of also where it's like hey let me risk this yeah in order to have something greater and better and like if if you believe in your love it should work it should like prove its test and like if it doesn't then that means like there's something better out there for you Mm -hmm. that will be so supportive of you as your most authentic self like you can't be scared in life to live a happy peaceful life because then you'll never get it you're and always going to be living in like this mentality of like absolutely and there's so much truth in what you're saying right like if you were never if you will never take that risk you will never know the potential for your life and yeah. if you're so fear driven right like and that's the thing there's a reason why people were you know like even like i found you through tiktok through that one video that also like led to that insider article you know yeah. where i was like whoa who is this lady? How does she have this confidence to make up her own rules to life? Like I've never seen someone who looks South Asian and is Pakistani and who came from like a Muslim household. I was like, how did she get to where she's at? Like, how did she think like that? Like who told her to do this? Is she, does she just have a lot of white friends and she's just trying to copy with her? <laughs> like, you know, cause that's the thing, like out of the box for yeah. us in our society is just very out of the box and it was like it felt like it was just something it wasn't just cool it was it was you taking a chance on yourself and I feel to like me, the yeah. biggest risk in life is not taking a chance on yourself mm-hmm. like imagine being 80 years old and being like man this was my whole life yeah like 
this was it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I hear you. I can't, I can't, I I will never, that's to me is like abandonment Mm -hmm. of yourself to the finest of like wishing you just lived a life differently. Like it's scarier for me to Mm -hmm. live a life like everyone and like, not like everyone. Like, I don't, I'm not that different of a person. I'm a very normal person, but like, (laughs) just like doing things because it looks cool on social media. Like, mm-hmm. if I become a person that, like, does life for likes and followers mm-hmm. and for attention, I'm never going to know who I am and what I like and what I enjoy. And I'm never even going to be able to be a happy person. I'm constantly going to be checking my phone and being like, oh, what are my likes at? What are my followers at? What are mm-hmm. I like? Blah, blah, blah. And, like, yeah. miss out on actually living my life. And being in tune to what feels good versus what you think is good, right? It's an extension from your family. Like they can validate you for being the perfect girl, but ultimately if it's an inauthentic version of yourself, you might get that validation from them, but internally you're struggling. Same thing. You might have all the followers, have all the likes and have all of this, you know, growth and that one influencer has that one bag or they have this one apartment here and you can get that as well. But if it's not true to you, you think it will bring you happiness and it won't actually give you happiness because you don't have a relationship with yourself. The first relationship you have to invest in is yourself. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, mic drop. Um, But that's really hard because we're a South Asian people are a collectivistic society, right? We function as a group. And like you said earlier, um, self-prioritization is seen as selfish not having children like two years into your marriage is selfishness right like or at all (laughs) oh oh or at all like even that as a concept is really really true one thing Mm -hmm. that goes in my head all day every day growing up anytime I wanted to do anything in my life my mom was like yeah what will people say yeah now I'm just like I don't care about other people judging me and my life choices and the way I'm living my life. I am okay with being the villain in some people's story in order to live my truth. Absolutely. That is the one thing that helps me feel confident to just be more authentic to who I am. And I think it translates back into why would you want certain people who judged you for trying to understand your life and your needs, right? It takes yeah. away the element of being able to make mistakes. Even if you're doing taking a risk and some people disagree with it, right? And they want to warn you out of care for you, right? But then still being able to respect your decision and be like, she needs to go through this in order to understand where she lies and having respect for the the bravery it takes to even initiate that. And if it doesn't work out exactly the way you expected it, that's also okay. Because you tried and it is your life at the end of the day. And for one auntie who is going to come to your parents' house and ask about you for 10 minutes, and that's the extent of the mental real estate they take when it comes to you for the entire year, is it worth governing your entire life based off of that, right? That's so powerful. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's really scary because that's a lot of people's realities. Mm -hmm. I just wish people cared about what they think of themselves more than what other people thought about themselves. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like, what does Sana even want? And like, is Sana going to judge me for not being authentic? Is Sana going to judge me for like settling in this life? Like, what would 13 year old Sana say if she saw my life like this right now? Yeah. Oh my God. I care about that so much more. That has so much truth. That has so much truth because uh, I was about to, I was sort of switching or those like, Hamisha, I was like, always what I've seen with my own clients is that I have to sit down and when they're about to take a life decision or they're in a situation where I'm like, "Mm, I can't give my opinion, right? I have to encourage them to come to that realization on their own. I would tell them to, to encourage them to think on it. I'd be like, if your friend, your best friend who you love with your heart and soul, who means the world to you, came to you and said this, what would you say to them? Would you abandon them in this situation? Would you show undenying compassion and support and understanding? What would you do for that best friend? And it's always when I shift this perspective like this, the level of compassion and love and support comes out. And I was like, if you treated yourself like your best friend, you would have so much more empathy and understanding and have a healthier relationship with yourself. But it's interesting 100%. that that mentality only comes up if I put it in a, in, in the situation where it's a, it's another person that you love and it's yeah. not yourself. And I always say that like, you are the one person that you're going to live with and hang out with more than anyone or anything else in the world, including your spouse, like yeah. including your parents, like you, you're going to die Mm-hmm. alone which sucks and it's really morbid but it's true <laughs> right like yeah. your family your parents your spouse every mm-hmm. single person yeah they're gonna mourn your loss but they're gonna move on everyone's gonna mm-hmm. have a life after yours mm-hmm. comes and goes yeah like the one person you should care about making happy is yourself first and foremost absolutely so here is like another thing right how do people make their own rules? We talk a lot about self-love, self-compassion and, and finding out how to make yourself happy. But I think it's really hard in the South Asian diet, not even in the diaspora, right? It's just hard being South Asian because your parents, whether, even if it's like an arranged marriage or if it's school or if it's success, it's always like, we know what's going to make you happy. Listen to us. How do you break from that mentality or how do you develop this critical thinking to be able to, do I actually like this? Or am I supposed to like it because they're telling me I'm supposed to like it? And that's such a good question because the main thing that I think people struggle with is not even knowing Mm -hmm. what they like first and foremost. Like we have grown up with everyone in the media and our lives and in the world and our work and Mm -hmm. everything around us telling us this is cool. This is not, this Mm -hmm. is what you should have. This is Mm -hmm. not like we do not know ourselves. And that is the first step is find out like when we're kids, we are the most authentic versions of ourselves until about the age of seven. Mm-hmm. Once you turn seven, you start to care about what society thinks about you and what's, what's cool and what's not. Mm-hmm. That is the start. So when you can go back to that inner child and yeah. heal your inner child and get rid of those limiting beliefs and like go back to the core mm-hmm. of who you are as a person, play and like do the things that you love, like 
trust your gut with like what you like and what you don't like. Like for instance, for the longest time, I thought I was a minimalist because I thought Mm -hmm. that's what's aesthetically pleasing and cool. And now that I have my own place, as you can see, I'm like, I love color and that's not cool. Right. Like it's Mm -hmm. not the thing that like, but I had to explore that for the longest time. I was like, Oh, I, this is who I am because this is what I think I like. But mm-hmm. then when you step away and slowly, this is like a journaling process that I did mm-hmm. every single day for a full year to yeah. get to know myself to the core of who I am. And it's like your gut instincts, you're like, don't think just talk and don't think just right. Like once you clear the clutter in your mind, mm-hmm. meditate, get to the root of like who you are to like find out who you are, learn who you are, mm-hmm. have a relationship with yourself, like date yourself again as from day one. And then we'll know what kind of career we want. We'll know mm-hmm. what kind of partner we want. We'll know what kind of friends we want. We'll know what kind of house we want. Mm-hmm. We'll know so much more about the things that make us light up and feel happy. I think I said this uh, earlier before we started recording, which was, you know, you're not only representation, but you're also like a map, right? Like looking at your life. And I think this will resonate with so many people. It's like, wow, I can look towards someone who looks like me, who's living life in the most untraditional, untraditional ways and they're happy. So I don't have to figure this out on my own. I have one way to look at it. And this person is also telling me that it's okay for me to think even outside of what they're doing. And that is so important because it's almost like getting permission, right? It's almost like getting permission. Like it's going to be okay. You're yeah. a married woman. You're a daisy. You have your own like parental struggles with boundaries and all of it. And here you are almost as a, and I don't know if you want it to be a representation, but like I even said, you know, like when I was like deep diving and extra stalking I was like wow like I feel like I look up to this person the more I got to know about them because I've never seen someone do what you're doing within this much close proximity who wasn't like a celebrity right who wasn't like someone yeah in maybe Bollywood or maybe someone who's like a Daisy actor who just seemed more untouchable because you saw them so much more in this realm of like extreme wealth and extreme separation from the culture and everything else. I am so deeply honored that you said that (laughs) because I think about things like that all the time where I'm like, it's so easy for someone to share their story and Mm -hmm. inspire people once they've already made it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why I decided to start my podcast now once I'm still in the thick of it, Mm -hmm. because it's like, I don't want to help you once I get there and have all the answers. It's like, let's get there together. Let's let's figure this out. Mm -hmm. Like, I know when I like already learned something and then I try to teach it, Mm -hmm. I'm going to miss a lot of the steps in between because I'm only looking at it from like this point of view of like, I already, I already made it. Here's what you could do. Mm -hmm. But if I'm like showing you my process step-by-step of the way, Mm -hmm. you can see that I did mess up. I did get it wrong and I got up and tried it again so that it can help people to be like, okay, I don't need to get it right from the first shot right away. I can like, it's a process Mm -hmm. forever. 
Absolutely. And I think that's yeah. so powerful. I think that speaks to the person that you are. And thank you so much for being on my podcast. It was such a privilege. Thank you. Oh my gosh. No, thank you so much for having me. This is so, so wonderful. And you're doing amazing things. And I hope you know how many lives you're going to change and inspire by just bringing on people to mm-hmm. talk about the things that are so taboo to talk about. So absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And also, can you plug in all your socials where people can find yes. you or even join uh jet plaque? Well, friendship club. I'll give it like by the time, by the time this episode comes out, it will be friendship club. So when they can, um, where they can find you, how they can join, plug everything in. Yeah. So the easiest way to find me is my Instagram, which is just Sana Akand, Mm S-A-N-A-A-K-H-A-N-D. Um, and then on there, from there, you can find my company. If you want, if you're in New York and you're looking for some new friends, join friendship club. It's myfriendship.club on Instagram. Um, and the website. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's about it. And Fabulous. my podcast is on YouTube and Spotify, Make Your Own Rules. Please check it out. And if you guys are doing some cool stuff that <laughs> goes against normal life, please let me know and I'll bring you on the show. Fabulous. And I will link all of your uh, links and socials in the episode description below so everybody can have uh, easier time finding you. But again, thank you so much, Sana. This was fabulous. Thank you. And I hope you have a great day. Thanks. (laughs)